My name is Alicia. And I'm Liv. And you're listening to TBR, the podcast where we both drink and spill the tea on books from your TBR lists. This week we will be discussing the first book in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J Maas. Yes, this has been long awaited and we are so excited to be reviewing this. Oh definitely, it's just one of my favourite books. It's one of the books that really got me into reading after a period where I just... Yes, this is the book that got me out of a reading slump, I think. Yes, definitely. It is amazing. And then put me back into a reading slump because of how amazing it was. <laughs> True. So, this week we have two different teas that we're drinking. We've each chosen different teas for different reasons, but we're going to leave the reasons until the end so we don't spoil anything... Right at the beginning. Exactly. So I am drinking raspberry and strawberry tea. And it's sweet and floral at the same time. And I'm enjoying it a lot. What about you? I'm drinking orange and cinnamon tea. Ooh. It's not what I thought it would be, to be honest. It's very orangey. Quite citrusy. But it's nice. It's really summery. Oh. Yes. I thought it would be a cozy... No, I was hoping it would be, but ah. it's... Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought it was... Like, That's okay. Yeah. It's still a nice tea. That's good. That's good. So before we begin this review, this episode will contain major spoilers as per usual. So if you haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, please listen with caution. Yes. And also, there's a lot of debate about how to pronounce a lot of the names in this book. We use the pronunciation guide at the back of the book. So please don't come for us if we don't pronounce names the same way you do. Yes. Great. So let's get started. Let's. So the story begins and we meet our protagonist, Feyre, and she is hunting in the woods. Hunger Games style. Oh, 100%. She has a bow and arrow and everything. Yes, she does. She does. And the first thing we kind of learn about the text is that fairies exist and they're super dangerous. And while she's hunting, we find out that her family is actually in extreme poverty and they're kind of barely surviving. So Feyre has to be the one out, you know, getting the bread hunting in order to provide for her family. <laughs> the bread? She's hunting bread? Yeah, she's like bringing the bread. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I had it, the way you phrased it, it was just like me picturing Feyre hiding behind a tree with her bow and arrow looking at a loaf of bread this in the middle the of the woods. This is the Hunger Games. <laughs> And straight off the bat, we also learn that Feyre has a man. Yeah, she already got a man. Why are we reading this book? But What's not really, because he's just, like, a friends with benefit situation. Mm, that never works And out. they just hook up in a barn every now and then. And his name is Isaac. A barn. She's so poor that he can't even go over to her place. She's like, let's just No, out. but I think he's also poor. Like, they're Aww. both poor, so they have to meet at an abandoned barn. Aww. Yeah, that sucks. It's like a hotel room. They're like, I rented us the barn on Fifth Avenue. Also, I feel like a barn would be not a nice place. Well, I can't handle it because I get hay fever. <laughs> so, anyways. Should they fair with hay fever? She's just like... <laughs> They're like mid-hooking up. She's her like, eyes are puffy and she's like crying. And he's like, I never realised I was so romantic. And she's like, no, I'm actually just suffocating to death. <laughs> anyways... <laughs> And a wolf appears, and Feyre wonders if he might be a fey shifter. But then she kind of thinks, nah, he looks too much like an actual wolf that he's just got to be a regular wolf. Yeah, because when fey's shift, they kind of also resemble... Yes, they're big. I think they're, like, Werewolves? bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, they yeah. were shifting to a wolf, they would look more like werewolves instead of a full animal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we also learn now that ash arrows are the only things that are fatal to fey. Yes. And also iron. And Feyre shoots the wolf, because even if he is Fey, no loss, because she hates him anyway. Yeah, and it'll make her some money. Yes. 
So she skins him because obviously she can't take a whole ass wolf back to her house. No, she's just one girl. She's a scrawny 19 year old. She is described as quite scrawny. Yeah. Because they're poor and malnourished. Hungry, yes. And she also shot a deer earlier, I think. Yeah, just casually. Well, yeah. Oh, oh well. well. Anyway, so she grabs the wolf pelt and the deer and she heads home. So then we meet Feyre's sisters. Nesta and Elaine, as well as her father. So Nesta is the oldest and Elaine is the middle child, which means Farah is the youngest. And we can tell that Elaine is a lot softer and kinder and Nesta is a little cold and harsh. And they're quite critical of Farah no matter what she does. And you kind of understand that from the get-go. Yeah, she's definitely cruel to an extent. Mm-hmm. And also when they lost their fortune and began the descent into poverty, it was largely due to their father and because of that, Nesta really resents him. But we find out that despite being the youngest, Feyre actually is under a lot of pressure to kind of keep the family alive and bring home the bread, so they say. And her sisters kind of just expect her to do not only hunting and getting the animals and all the money and their income, she also has to clean and make fire and cook. Yeah, so she gets home with the deer and the wolf and I think Nesta's like, aren't you going to clean that? She has to literally not only hunt, but she has to like clean the meat fillets from the animals and cook for the family. Yes, what do they do all day? There was no television. You can't just watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians I every know. day. Do they just sit there resenting their dad? Look, probs. What life is that? Like, honestly, do something. And Feyre's like, Nesta, did you go and collect wood like I asked you to? And Nesta goes, my hands are far too delicate for that. You already have ugly, gross Man workers. Hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Farrah's like, oh my god, I have to do everything in this house. I know, she's basically the parent. And she has to look after her dad, too. He's crippled. He is. And we find out that Farrah really likes to paint. And a little while ago, when they weren't as poor as they were now, Elaine bought Farrah three small tins of paint. And Farrah just, like, painted every single surface in the house that she could get her hands on. Yes, probably the only nice thing that Elaine's ever done for Farrah. So that's why she's just keeping it to her. Because she's like, there's still her inhumanity. Farrah's had a really rough life. She has. I feel so bad for her already. I'm like, just get out. Go somewhere better. (laughs) But anyways, she tells everyone that she plans to trade or sell the pelt that she got from the wolf at the market. And Elaine and Nesta are both really excited because they're like, yes, Elaine's like, I want a new cloak. And Nesta's like, but I want something else. And they're kind of arguing about who's going to get the money, even though Farrah's like, we actually need it to survive, guys. And also, even if they didn't need it to survive, um, Farrah's the one who shot it. Yes, get your own pelt. Yes, her sisters at this point in the novel are portrayed as really self-centered and not much care for anyone else. No, even though they're at a situation where they really can't be that self-centered. No. Because they're so... Like, they have nothing. But I guess they're poor to the extent where they have to be self-centered. If I don't get a new cloak, I'm literally going to freeze to death. That's very true. Because they just are so... Poor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so the next morning, I think the girls talk for a little bit. Yeah, over breakfast. Yeah. And Nesta is chatting to Elaine, and we find out that Nesta has this kind of thing going on with this guy called Thomas Mandre, and he's the woodcutter's son. But the second son, so not, <laughs> not the as best. important. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, and so that's why Farah's really unimpressed. But Nesta's apparently just infatuated with this she Thomas is. guy. Farah's like, 
Thomas, are you serious? And Nesta's like, yes, we're in love and we're going to get married. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> Honey, no. Yeah, Farah's not impressed at all. She's like, well, you're not getting a new cloak. <laughs> I'm not going to support you going outside in the cold to see Thomas. A second son. A second son, really? Anyway, so they head to the market and... Along the way, they bump into some people called the Children of the Blessed. So the Children of the Blessed are these kind of creepy acolytes who worship and preach about the Fae. And they're like, they're so great. We wish we could serve them and all that. It's yeah. a, it's an obsession, really. Yeah, they definitely put them up on a hierarchy. And Pharaoh's like, nah, I don't think. I feel like it's a bit of a cult. Like, yeah, except if you think about it, with the Fae as a collective, being the thing that the cult worships. That's true. And they have little rules and stuff. Yeah. I don't know what exactly qualifies for a cult, but it they do definitely believe that they should be serving these Bay. people. And in general, people don't really like the Children of the Blessed. Because keeping in mind, all the humans here are pretty much afraid of Faye because they heart and dangerous. <laughs> they are heart and dangerous. I made a TikTok a couple of days ago with that sound yeah. and it's been stuck in my head ever since. Oh my god. No, I agree. I think they fear the Fae, and also the Fae just have so much power. If you go too close to them, you don't know what's going to happen. They could literally crush your skull with, exactly. like, a twitch of the pinky exactly. finger. Exactly, and I feel like the fear also comes from the unknown, where they don't exactly know what the Fae can do. They just think the Fae are amazing. There are all these rumours about, oh, they can do this, they can sense this, but no well, one think, truly knows. I think they know roughly, because remember, 500 years ago, apparently, there was a war. Ah, yes. A big war, and the Fae pretty much obliterated the human race. Hence the older people being a bit, uh... Not vibing. Yeah, a bit yeah. sketch. Yeah. Well. Anyways, so so then Feyre sees a mercenary and she trades the wolf pelt and the mercenary kind of looks at her and is like, oh, she's so skinny. <laughs> you think I'm skinny? <laughs> so she's so skinny and she's so malnourished and the mercenary's kind of like, you know what that pelt's from, right? Because I think the mercenary knows it was Faye. She's like, mm, girl, no. But I'm going to take this pelt from you anyway because I know what it was like to be in such poverty. Yeah. And she's, like, living at large now. So Farrah's like, As a yeah. mercenary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a mercenary. She got coinage. She's ready. Okay, so we find out a little bit of information here. I actually am so impressed by this. I think Farrah's off to meet up with Isaac again in the barn because, you know, that's their rendezvous location. Oh yeah, that's the guy that she mentioned at the start that was like, friends with benefits. Yes, it is. And she mentions that Isaac takes a contraceptive brew. I'm so impressed. Me too. It's basically the pill, but for guys. Exactly. It makes sense. Like, unload the gun instead of wearing a bulletproof vest. Very true! Because you could still shoot someone in the head. Not 99%. <laughs> Effective. Accurate? Not 99%. Effective, effective. Not 99% effective, you know? Anyways, that I, was refreshing. Sarah J Maas is the only author I've ever read who has made the male take um, some form of... Contraception. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read many books where it's mentioned at all because I feel like it's not talked about enough, but... Yeah, I think maybe even if it was a joint thing, like he takes something, she takes something, then it's romantic. It's like, ah, oh, that brew felt a bit weird today. I just feel like a lot in 
more romance novels, but there's always the emphasis of the guy being like, are you on the pill? Yeah, and if you miss one, they're like, oh my god, <laughs> like, relax. Yes, but the point is I really liked how Isaac was the one here taking the contraceptive brew. Yeah, Sarah J Maas was like, you know what, in an ideal world, this is what I want. <laughs> Men would do better. Yeah, and she made it happen. Fast forward time a little bit, and this huge beast thing bursts into Feyre's family home. Yeah, and it's not Isaac. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not Isaac. No, he's not that hunky. He's, like, screaming bloody murder, and he's like, murderers, murderer! And the rest of the family is like, I'm so scared, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> they got no idea what's going on. No. And it turns out... The wolf that Feyre shot was actually Faye. Yes. And the Beast is not happy because Feyre killed his friend. And the Beast kind of explains that there's a treaty between the humans and the Fae, which basically entails a life for a life. So since Feyre killed this wolf, therefore she must live out the rest of her days in Prithian, which we also find out is the name of the lands in which the Fae live in. Yes, so she basically has to give her life away to the Fae's. Yes. Why to the beast? I don't even know. Like, what's so specific? Why can't she choose? Like, she should take a tour of Perithia and be like, I want to live at their house. <laughs> they seem nice. <laughs> but anyways. So Feyre has to up and leave. Yeah. But before she leaves... She gives her sister's very loving last message, which is, Nestor, don't marry Thomas. <laughs> basically. But I think she also lets... Like, lets it slip that Thomas's father abuses his wife. Yeah. And Thomas potentially might do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's looking out for Nesta. Yes. And she also tells them how to ration the money that she got from the wolf pelt and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, the beast was nice. He gave her a little bit of time. But not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Bad luck, Pharaoh. Yeah, exactly. So they go through the wall, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's this big old wall that separates... Prithian from the mortal lands mm -hmm. and eventually they rock up to this huge estate it's gorgeous there's it like is. lots of ivory and balconies and roses yes it's so nice greenery it's like a victorian it gives me real cottage core vibes oh my gosh but like yes. mansion core no that doesn't really have the same ring but you no. know what i mean like, mansion core sure cottage core but not a cottage, just a big house. Very nice. Yes. Palace. And they head to the dining room, and there's so much food, and Feyre is absolutely blown away. She's like, I've never seen so much food in my life. No, I've just been eating my fingernails for the past three weeks. <laughs> That's probably very realistic, which yeah. is so sad. And the beast magically transforms, and he becomes, well, more human-looking, but he becomes Fey. Yes. And Feyre is super panicked because she realises he's not even a lesser Fae. He's a high Fae, which makes him even more dangerous. Mm, high Fae's have so much more power than just normal Fae's. They do. So she's, like, looking for the exits. I guess also an important thing to note here is, is that high Fae look more human than lesser Fae. So high Fae, I think they're kind of built bigger, obviously, with the pointed ears, but lesser Fae are more like they might have wings or tails or blue skin and stuff yeah. like that. high Fae are pretty hot. <laughs> they... Hunky. You do love a hunky man. <laughs> and then another fae enters, and both these men are wearing masks. A bit mysterious. But it seems like the mask is, like, stuck on. It's a part of their 
yeah. face. It's very strange. Yeah. And this newcomer is wearing this fox-like mask, and he also has a metal eye. He does. It's like whirring away. I picture it like Mad Eye Moody. I feel like it's that, but less grotesque. I feel like yes. this metal eye is nice. And also, if he lives at the palace, or is associated with whoever lives at the palace, he should have a pretty flashy eye. And this new guy is like, where is Andres? We find out that Andres was the wolf. Yeah, poor Andres. <laughs> poor Andres. <laughs> this poor new guy with this eye is like, I can't see my friend Andres. It must be this eye acting up again. And Tamlin's just like, no, Andres dead. Because this girl killed him. And this new guy with the metal eye is like, nah. He looks at Feyre and he's like, you're telling me the scrawny-ass human killed our big wolfy friend? Yeah. Are you joking? So as the metal eye guy is like, ha oh, no way, that's her. It must be someone else. And it's at this point that we learn that the newcomer's name is Lucian. Yes. He's a little bit charming and I like him. He's got smooth lips. Physically? No, I like the way that he says Oh, you stuff. think he's a smooth talker? Oh, yeah. He kind of gives me the impression of a little bit of a fuckboy as well. Yeah, he's a... I feel like he's like a sly... A sly player. Oh, yeah. yeah. The way he talks, I just, I just know it. But I feel like he gives me backup character vibes. Not main character vibes. He gives me, like... He's definitely a side character. He's definitely not the eldest child in his family, you know? He's had to yeah. really go for it and get every scrap that he can. Which makes him even better. And then a servant comes, and her name is Alice, and she takes Feyre to her new room. So then Alice tells Feyre to basically keep her mouth shut and ears open. Yes, and she's basically just dressing Feyre in some new clothes, because her old ones were ratty and basically fell apart in the washing machine, I think. Yeah, probably, if they had washing machines. I think they do. I think Alice is like, mm, they fell apart when we were washing it. All that's left are these pants. Yeah. Do you want to wear them? <laughs> Poor Feyre. Poor thing. And yeah, so after that, they head back to the dining room. And we find out that Feyre's capture, the beast's name is Tamlin. Yes. And this is one of my favourite parts of the book, straight up. They're all at dinner, and I think they're just, like, awkwardly eating. And Lucian just, like, gives Tamlin, like, a little bit of a nod. And Tamlin goes, you look better than before. And Feyre just gives him a flat look, and then he's like, your hair is clean. Oh, I just wanted to marry him. Oh my spot. god, Tamlin knows how to compliment a woman. <laughs> Lucian was probably there like, damn it, <laughs> what a facepalm moment. Lucian was trying to be a good wingman, but he just... He was. Oh my gosh, I would love for Lucian to be my wingman. Really? Yeah, or my husband, but either <laughs> one, no. I think he is such a great friend. They remind me of two girl best friends. Oh, you think they have a bromance? Oh, yeah, because one gives the other a look like, come on, just talk to her. And he's like, no, I don't want to. He's hyping him up. He's like, come on, you got this. You got this. She's going to fall at your feet. You just got to give her a really good compliment. Yeah, tell her she's hot. Tell her she looks fit. And he's like, your hair is clean. <laughs> wow, how romantic. If my future husband says, your hair is clean, I'm just going to be having these babies. <laughs> I'll just be like, that's it. Let's get married. We're ready. Compliment of the century come meet right there. parents. Yeah. And during dinner, Feyre's kind of still observing things, and she's obviously nervous, and she doesn't really know what the boundaries are, because obviously 
if she could, she'd just run back. So Feyre basically asks Tamlin, she's like, what am I supposed to do here? And Tamlin basically says, I don't really care what you do as long as you stay here in this Fey land. Yes, and he says her family is cared for and looked after, but the moment that Feyre tries to flee, he's cutting off. He's cutting them off. Yeah, yeah. They're not getting to be a part of the trust fund. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Lucian, being the little gossiper that he is, wants to know a bit more about her as the best wingman, apparently, and asks her if she's got a boyfriend. And is like, oh yes, there is one man whom I am involved with. And Lucian very much likes the tea and he's like, do you love him? And Feyre goes, um, no. And Tamlin's like, are there any other men you love? And Pharaoh's like, um, no. She's confused. She's got two beautiful men asking about her relationship status. Yeah, two masked men. <laughs> just there, like, having dinner with her, chilling. So after this encounter, Pharaoh goes back to her room to go to bed, and she locks the doors and sets up this trap thing so that if any Fae come in, not to kill them, but, like, to give herself a warning. A booby trap. As if it's going to work with, like, a high fae in the I house. I know. Feyre's kind of stupid at this point, but it's fine. Yeah. She, it, it gets better, hopefully. And so in the morning, Alice comes in and... She's not happy with the trap. No. She trips over and she's like, girl, what is this? And Feyre's like, mm, it was to buy me time in case someone attacked me. I know. And Alice is like, we could literally obliterate you. And Feyre's like, yeah, but I thought it would, like, you know give me a chance to run away. And she's like, you can't run from us. No. We, again, will obliterate you. We're phase. You need to get with it. And so during the day, Farrah can't really do anything else other than exploring the place that Tamlin's taken her to. And then Farrah ends up walking to find Lucian. And Tamlin, like, intercepts her halfway. And he's like, can I give you a tour of the estate? And she goes, hmm. No, thank you. I do not want to be alone with you. No, I'm looking for your wingman. <laughs> because if I go running, he's other eye might not catch up. <laughs> I might have a chance. No, I think she just feels a lot more comfortable with Lucian, so she's just making the best out of the situation. I mean, Lucian did not go into her family home and threaten her. <laughs> exactly. He just told her that she was too scrawny to kill a fae. <laughs> yeah. But it's fine. Plus, he's also kind of charming, so, like, I'd also go for Lucian. Yeah, Just going to put that out there. Love him. And so, after Tamlin leaves, she continues on her journey to find Lucian, and she's timed it so that she bumps, accidentally bumps into him when he's on his way to hunt. And they end up going hunting together. And so, during this little trip, Lucian basically spills the tea to Feyre about why they're all wearing masks. He does. And we find out that there's this kind of sickness in Prithian. It's been around for about 50 years now. And this blight is spreading slowly. And the masks that the people are wearing in this estate are a result of a masquerade party thing that happened 49 years ago. And now they can't remove. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. They must have gnarly tan lines. Yes, and also the bacteria that builds up between your skin and the mask. Defay... Are there even bacteria? They probably don't have any skin problems. No, because at all. they're all flawless, really. They are. They're all sexy people. Sexy. Well, we haven't met any female high phase yet, but I'm sure they're really hot too. Probs. Yeah. And that night, during dinner, 
Feyre steals a butter knife for protection. Yes. Instead of stealing a fork, which has, you know, like, four ends to it and could do some damage to an eyeball or whatever. She probably didn't <laughs> want to trigger Lucian. But she steals a butter knife instead. I mean, I suppose a knife is still a knife. Yeah, but a fork is a fork. You could really do some damage. I know, but a knife... Even if it's a butter knife. Yeah, it could go in further. That's true. You could definitely puncture a lung. Yeah. Not a fey lung. And then whilst dinner is going on, they kind of discuss Feyre and her hunting. She kind of explains to Lucian and Tamlin that she hunts out of necessity. She doesn't actually like it. She had to teach herself to hunt. To survive. Exactly. Because her dad couldn't do it. No one could do it. No. I mean... Her sisters could, if they had less delicate hands, apparently. <laughs> if Pharaoh didn't step up, I think their family would have died. Absolutely. They would have died so long ago. So good on Pharaoh. And then they talk a little bit more about the Fae in general, and Tamlin says to Pharaoh, didn't your mother tell you anything about the Fae? And Pharaoh says mm, she didn't have time to. Bit of a mood killer. Maybe Tamlin was trying to put the moves on her again, like, oh, tell me about your family, and she's like... He wants to get in with the family? Yeah, and she's like, she's dead. <laughs> yes. So sad. And he's like, I'm so sorry. When I came into your place, I saw no signs of an older woman. When did she die? And Pharaoh's like, mm, from a disease when I was about eight years old. Yeah. That's sad. That is sad. So then the following morning, Tamlin tries again and offers to take Feyre on a tour of, you know, the surroundings outside of the palace, and she rejects him again and then sneakily goes to Lucian to hunt. Yes, she does. And whilst they're hunting, Feyre asks a bit more about the blight, I think, and he says, oh yeah, something that was brought up from hell, and he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. She might find out. And Feyre's like, who is she? We do not know. No, not yet. And then all of a sudden, a really creepy creature just rocks up. Because that's what happens. In Prithian. <laughs> exactly. Just these mythical creatures. And the creature is a bogey. It is. And Lucian is like, don't you dare look at it. Because if you look at it, it gives the creature the power to kill you. Yeah, a bit of a Medusa vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that, it is dinner time, and Tamlin's a little salty because Pharaoh rejected him and then snuck off with his best friend. Poor Tamlin. He's really trying to pull out the moves with the, your hair is clean. They're terrible moves, because maybe he made his hair dirty to relate to her that night, and he was like, she didn't even notice. <laughs> maybe he was expecting a compliment in return. Maybe. Maybe he was like, maybe she'll mention my hair's really clean, and Pharaoh just doesn't care. She's like, I just want the steak. She wants the steak so she can grab the steak knife and swap out the butter knife. <laughs> That's what she wants. Anyway, so then Tam hears about the bogey and goes to hunt it. Yes, because apparently he's the only one that can. Mm. For some strange reason. Yeah, Pharaoh could probably do it. <laughs> and that night, Pharaoh sees her father outside her bedroom window. And she's like, oh my goodness, my father has come to save me. And she runs down, but... Tamlin intercepts her and is like, what are you doing? And she goes, my father's right there. I've got to go to him. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And Tamlin's so confused. He's like, what do you mean? There is literally nothing there. You're imagining it. And this is when we realize that a creature has come and taken on the form of Feyre's father to try and lure her out to kill her. Yes, exactly. So a bit of time passes and Tamlin is gone trying to 
kill the bogey. And Feyre, she's trying to make a map. So, because her mother died so young and they were in such horrid poverty, Feyre never learnt to read or write. No. So, she's got a piece of paper out and she's doing some X's, some lines. She's just trying to work out what's going on. Yeah, where she is. She has nothing else to really do during the day. So. And the estate is huge, so I guess... Yes, like, huge. Yeah. Beautiful. And then whilst she's trying to make this map, Tamlin returns from hunting the bogey. And he's not vibing. He's injured. He is. Not badly, but injured enough that he's still injured. I think he's got a cut on his hand or something. Yeah. Oh, poor Tamlin. A bit of a paper cut. Yeah. And Feyre takes him into the infernary and patches him up a little bit. Why doesn't Alice do that? Like, Where is Alice? <laughs> Alice is like, I don't want to deal with Tamlin being a baby. I think Alice is just done with Feyre, to be honest. Oh, true. Alice is like, that booby trap was nothing, but I'm annoyed. <laughs> and then the next morning, Feyre is heading down to breakfast, and she ends up eavesdropping in on a conversation between Lucian and Tamlin. And Lucian is like, what are you doing? You aren't even making an effort anymore. And Tamlin's like, yeah, I know. And Lucian is like, all you ever are are moody and sad and sulky and whatnot. They're like a married couple. <laughs> I know. And then Tamlin says, I just can't stand to do anything else to her, not after all the things my father put the other mortals through. Awkward times when you hear two guy best friends talking about you and uh, you can't really do anything about it. So Feyre presents herself she and she's does. like, what up, my friends? <laughs> I just heard all of that. And they're like, did you hear anything we just said? And she's like, oh, no, of course not. Classic, classic. She's like, I, I, I just heard someone say, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and so they have their meal. And then Lucian's like, I'm so sorry. I'm really busy today. I can't go on a hunt. But Tamlin will take you. Dang. <laughs> Wingman. Wingman of the century. So then Tamlin's like, great, let's go on this hunt. And Feyre's like, I don't actually enjoy hunting. As I said before, it was for necessity. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's right. Let's go on a walk then. And she's like, chill, chill, let's go on a walk. So they go on a walk and Tamlin and Feyre have a little bit of a D&M. And he's like, I never got to thank you before for bandaging my hand after I had a fight with the bogey. Mm. And she's like, mm, it's nothing. And he's like, how'd you learn to do that? And she's like, oh, trial and error. I had to still be able to use a bow and arrow after I'd injured myself. And he's like, I'm so sorry you went through that. And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was a little bit of a bitch as well. <laughs> Look at them getting along. Yeah. And straight after they've had this DM, Tamlin goes, so are we going to chat about that uh, knife you stole from me at breakfast? And Tara's like, damn it. He's actually observational. She's shook. Mm-hmm. But she's also like, why would he let me take a knife then? And also, I'm just imagining Tamlin counting all the silverware, like, we are missing one. Where <laughs> one is singular. it? Getting Alice. That's where Alice was. She was missing all that time because he's like, you need to hunt that butter knife down. And Alice is like, I actually found it when I was looking through Ferris' room. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh. And then Tamlin takes her to the study. Yes. Where she tries to teach herself how to read. Which is nice. It's a good way to kill time because she's got really nothing else to do. Exactly. And while she's there, she's there's also a map of Prithian up there. Mm -hmm. And I think she just, like, checks it out. Yeah. And Tamlin offers to teach Feyre how to read. But, of course, she declines it because I think she's still a little bit wary of him. And then she just kind of spends her time on her own trying to learn how to read. Mm. It's a bit sad. 
And then after that, she heads to Lucian's bedroom. And I was like, this took a turn I was not expecting. I was very excited. I was like, oh, what does his bedroom look like? Is it messy? <laughs> does it have why many is the, eyeballs? Why is that the first thing you thought of? Is it messy? I feel like Lucian would have a bit of a messy room. Because he's just so like, up and go, let's get onto it. I don't think so. Really? I feel like... Because you know all the lazy grins he gives? I feel like he just kind of, like, makes his bed and then just, like... Oh, my gosh. Lounges. Would be so cute if Farah like, touched something or moved something and he's like, that's not what... He's like, meant uh, to be sorry, there. you moved it a centimetre yeah. away. I need to move it back. I'm very specific. He oh, seems he like knows. that kind of guy, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh. And Lucian lets it slip that there's this creature called the Surreal who, if you capture it, it will tell you anything you'd like to know. So, of course, Farrah gets an idea in her head. Yes, she's like, I need to catch this bitch. <laughs> exactly. She's ready. Yeah, and she's like, how do I do it? And basically, indirectly, he says that in order to trap a surreal, she should, well, obviously make a trap in the young birch trees in the western woods, and she should make sure she has a freshly slaughtered chicken, and that's the plan of attack. Yeah, obviously, Alice even knows. She knows how to make a trap. <laughs> and then... If something did happen to go wrong, Lucian is going to be on border patrol, so he will be nearby. Yes, he will. So he would be able to hear her scream if she screamed. Exactly. Trustworthy Lucian. So the next day, Farah sets out to catch the cereal. And she does. (laughs) She is. She's successful. And the cereal is like, you have caught me. And she's like, yes, I have. And she asks if there's any way that she can go home. And he says, not unless you want yourself and your family to be killed. And then he also spills the tea and says, Tamlin is the high lord of the springs. The spring. Um, so they're in the spring court, obviously. <laughs> yes. But I think Feyre, she got that already. I mean, it's always spring at this estate. She was probably like, yeah, this is death's the spring court. Yeah. There's no winter court here. I don't need a sweater. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then he also says that if she wants to stay safe, she should stay with the High Lord. And then the Naga show up. Mm-hmm. And what is a Naga? They are these scaly black creatures that look kind of like serpents that are in human bodies. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> Don't want to go near one of those. No. And the Surreal notices they're there and he's like, You must free me and run. And then he drops another little bit of tasty information. And he says, stay with the High Lord and live to see everything righted. He's spilling all the tea today. He is. It was worth it. That dead chicken, (laughs) worth it. And so I think there's five Naga all together. And they chase Feyre. And she, well, she runs. And I think she takes down one of them or something, maybe two. Yeah, obviously there's a big commotion and she's probably screaming. And who is not there? Not there to answer her screams and protect her. Lucian! Who said he was going to be there. Gosh, not coming in for the win at all. But on the other hand... Who does find her? Tamlin! He does! Apparently he was, like, tracking the Naga. Yeah, Lucian is the best wingman. Oh, you're right. Do you think it was purposeful? I think so. I think Lucian's like, I think you should go track that naga. And Tamla's like, I don't want to. I'm literally having breakfast. And Lucian's like, no, no, you want to. (laughs) And he's like, I guess I will. Okay. (laughs) 
Oh my god, I love that. Same. And so Tamlin finds her and saves her. He's definitely made progress since your hair is clean. Yes, he's like, these nagas are gnarly. I'm so impressed you killed one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Couples who fight together. Stay together. Blight together. Couples who slay Naga together, stay together. Couples who slay together, stay together. <laughs> and later that night, when Feyre is having a bath, she chats a bit to Alice, and we get a bit more of an impression about Alice's personality and her story. And we find out that Alice's sister and her sister's mate were murdered during the beginning of this blight thing, and now Alice is basically the mother of the two children. Yeah, she's looking after them. Yes, she obviously cares about them a lot. Mm -hmm. But they live somewhere else. They live in the summer court. They do. And like usual, Feyre has dinner with Tamlin and Lucian. They have a bit of a chat, mostly about the cereal. And Lucian's looking a little bit guilty during this. Because he left her to die. Yes, which makes me think maybe he wasn't trying to wingman. Maybe he genuinely just hesitated when he heard her cry. Maybe he got distracted. Who knows? Maybe he was like, there's no way she'll catch that cereal. No way. She's a scrawny girl. <laughs> I'm gonna head to lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a great some chicken. <laughs> that made me hungry thinking about that. And also, Tamlin pulls out a list of words and shows Feyre, and he's like, what's this? And we find out it's a list of words that Feyre wrote down that she was trying to learn, that she was having trouble with. Tamlin thought it was gonna be a secret little love note, and he reads it, and it's probably just like, bread. No, I actually did research and I actually noted down what these words were. Amazing. I know, I'm really dedicated. Yes, well, I prefer bread, but let us know. <laughs> the words were unusual, cue, slaying, and conflagration. They're just kind of really unique words that not many people use in a sentence. No, and you wouldn't put them together. I would not group them together and be like, today I'm going to learn unusual, conflagration, and slaying. <laughs> so weird. What book did you read? <laughs> Tamlin's diary. <laughs> Tamlin's like, she'll never know. And <laughs> she reads it. And then they go on to chatting a bit more and Feyre tells Tamlin that she likes to paint. And he's like, this is my opening. Yes, finally. And he, and he goes, I will get you paints. <laughs> because he's like, you like hunting? Let's go hunting. And she's like, I actually hate hunting. And then he's like, what do you like? But he's he like, never... no, really, it's okay. We can do something else. Yeah, he never asked her exactly what she wanted. And she had to tell him. <laughs> and then, again, fast forward quite a bit of time. It's the middle of the night and Feyre wakes up to this screaming sound. And she's like, what is going on? So she heads down to, like, I don't know, the main area of the estate. And there is a lesser Fae there. And he's, like, draped over Tamlin's shoulder. And they say that they found him dumped on the borderline of the summer court. And this fae just keeps on saying, she took my wings, she took my wings, she took my wings. Yeah, the fae's distressed. He's sobbing. Yeah. Because your wings are the Well, I think he's about important. to die as well. That's true, from blood loss, from getting your wings taken. And Feyre is a little bit emotional at this, and she, like, holds his hand, and she says, um, you'll get your wings back, I promise. And the fae's like, oh my god, amazing. And then he dies. Yeah. She did not keep that promise. <laughs> no, she didn't. But I guess she's, like, a human, so... Yeah, they all know he's gonna die, so she's probably just trying to make it as comfortable as she can. Yeah. And Tamlin, I think, sees her in a little bit of a different light. Because, obviously, she went from hating Faye 
with a burning passion yeah. to holding the hand of one as he dies. Exactly. I think Tamlin probably saw her as someone who brutally murdered his friend and skinned him, so he probably wasn't expecting her to have this kind of act of kindness towards a person of the same species. She hated them so fiercely that he's like, thank God, there might be a chance. <laughs> She might finally... I just need to cut off my wings and then she'll say nice things to me. <laughs> He's really found an opening now. It wasn't the paints, it was the wings. She's <laughs> yeah. like, i got to find something of wing equivalent and I'm going I'm to do it. Yeah, I'm going to take them off. <laughs> so the next day, after, you know, Tamlin seeing Farrah in a new light, he decides to take her on a nice little picnic at this grassy area. Just like a little scenic area, I think. Yeah, romantic atmospheres. Oh, definitely. Cottage core vibes. And Third World Lucian, of course. <laughs> oh yes. You can't forget Third World Lucian. Lucian's like, as as Farrah and Tamlin are about to leave, Lucian was probably like, I love picnics. Thanks so much for inviting me, guys. Tamlin's like, great. <laughs> uh, we don't know if that actually, probably not. I hope it happened. Yeah, me too. We're just gonna pretend it did. But to be honest, Tamlin's so awkward that. He needs Lucian. Oh yeah, he'd be like, please, you gotta you gotta back me up, you gotta yeah. help me with her. Please come with me to the picnic. And Lucian's like, I'm literally trying to catch a cereal. <laughs> leave me alone. I'm trying to flirt with Alice. Like, can you leave me alone? And Tamlin's like, please, bro, I really need you. <laughs> I need you to wingman me. Yeah. And during this picnic, we find out a bit more about Lucian, even though he's not part of the conversation. No. So Tamlin tells Feyre that Lucian is the youngest son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court, and I think he's the seventh son. He did give off seventh son energy, <laughs> didn't he? I didn't realise that was a thing. Oh, definitely. Have you not heard of it? <laughs> Anyways. And then we also find out that he never wanted to be a high lord, so his father kind of dismissed him a lot. And he fell in love with a... I think she was a lesser fae. And his father considered her not good enough for him. And then... Lucian's father and his brothers killed her in front of Lucian. Probably extremely traumatizing. Then that's why Lucian left and went to the spring court to reside in. Yes. Yes. And so obviously this devastating story prompts a very romantic gesture from Tamlin where he goes, hey, you know that little pool springy kind of thing over there? Let's go swim in it. Because he thinks that's the perfect time to ask a girl to go skinny dipping with him. Apparently so. She just, like, makes eye contact with him and takes off her tunic and her pants. Aww. So she's just left in her undergarments. Her tunic. How sexy. <laughs> she really knows how to dress to impress. Alice really wants Pharaoh to wear a dress. And Pharaoh's like, no, I want a tunic. Pharaoh. <laughs> and then let me read to you what happens. Yes, please. Slowly, so slowly, his eyes roved down and then up, as if he was studying every inch, every curve of me. And even though I wore my ivory under things, that gaze alone stripped me bare. <laughs> Story goes, Faye's also have x-ray vision. <laughs> you met, oh my goodness. That's what Lucian's eye is for. <laughs> That's why Tamil's like, Lucian, you're not coming. We need to respect a lady. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> And then following this, his eyes met mine, and he gave me a lazy smile before removing his clothes, button by button. I could have sworn the gleam in his eyes turned hungry and feral, enough so that I had to look anywhere but his face. 
hungry and feral. Ooh. Oh my god, that's so spicy. <laughs> he and he's got a very glorious body. Oh yes, he does. Cuz he was originally training to be a general, not a high lord. <laughs> yeah. What training does high lord have? Conflagration. <laughs> we still don't know what that is. That's the training. It's the conflagration <laughs> class. So, what would you rate this on a level of spiciness? The pool scene? Yes. I I love the tension. Yes. Honestly, I think the lead up to a kiss is sometimes better than the actual kiss. So, I would actually rate this a two and a quarter because of Two the and a quarter? Yeah, because of the words, like, hungry and feral. I'm just like, that's dirty. I love it. <laughs> what about you? I, I'm going to rate it maybe a three. Ooh. Because I do feel like, I feel like they would have had a lot of eye contact. True. And that definitely would have upped the spice. And a lot of lip biting. Oh, no. I'm just picturing that, um, what's her name? Is it Debbie Ryan? Oh, my gosh. Like, bites her lip and puts <laughs> yeah. A lot of lip biting, a lot of, like, tongue on lip. Just some sexy, just getting ready for the kiss, but they don't actually kiss. I just feel like there's something very spicy about intense eye contact whilst undressing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. So I feel like it's three out of five on a spice rating for very, me. Very, very fair. Very fair. Anyways. And then they just kind of like vibe in the pool for a little bit. Yeah. I think that's Tamlin's way of getting into a comfortable stage because they can also focus on the water. Like there's more Please. to focus on. I know there's like a hot burning passion for each other and to rip each other's ivory under things off. <laughs> but still, I feel like it's a good distraction because they're focused on surviving on the water. So I think they just like get out of the pool and stuff and they're on their way back to the estate. And Lucian and Feyre have a little bit of a chat and Lucian basically he does feel really bad for not going to Pharaoh when she screamed when she was catching the cereal. Yeah. He says, I hesitated and I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, we find out that it was not what we wanted. <laughs> but no. it's fine. And to make up for it, he gives Feyre his knife. Instead of the butter knife that she had in the beginning. <laughs> so after they get back, um, the paints have arrived that Tamlin got for Feyre. Aww. Which is nice. And he takes her to the gallery where I think it was closed off previously because it just wasn't used. And he takes her in, and Feyre cries. She does. She's just so in awe of this beautiful gallery of paintings. Yeah, and Tamlin's like, if I knew this is what I had to do all along. Look I would have done this right from the start. Little frames and stuff, I would have done this already. <laughs> but yes, because she obviously loves painting and loves art, and probably quite inspired by everything that she saw in the gallery. Yes. So the next day, Tamlin and Feyre go on a nice little walk in the garden. They do. And Tamlin kind of explains that his father had this garden planted for his mother. So romantic. He probably thought that that was what he had to do, you know, to get Feyre. So he's showing her and he's like about to show her the one that he made her, like a little <laughs> veggie patch. But things don't go to plan because... Feyre just like walks up to a rose and she picks it up, but the thorns like rip it, the skin on her fingers. Yeah, because they're sharp. Why is Feyre so dumb? I don't she's seen roses before. I'm gonna think that so that I know that she's actually not stupid. Well, I mean, who knows at this point. Feyre doesn't seem like the brightest tool in the box. No, she just knows how to hunt and skin animals. Which I guess is practical. It is, but she's probably not used to... Maybe her hands are more delicate now that she's not <gasps> hunting. True. Take that, Nesta. <laughs> yes, take that, Nesta. And she's like... If she ever goes back, she'll be like, I got pricked on my finger by a rose. That's not the only prick she got. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway. And then Hamlin just like rocks up and he kisses her palm on the bleeding hand and then he kisses the other one. So surprising. And then Feyre is very impressed by the way he kisses her palm. She is. And she feels heat pounding in her core between her legs. Um... I just feel for Feyre a little bit. Like, she must be very deprived. <laughs> she must be. If someone kissing her palm... I mean... And she's like, damn. It's actually... I need him. ...such a sensual... Like, so much tension. Because he's kissing your palms. But your palms are so sensitive, you'd be able to imagine what that kiss would feel like on other parts of your body. Ooh. Yeah, so I think he's kind of showing her what she gonna be missing. What's to come. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he just, like, withdraws and her blood is on his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of didn't vibe with. It. I feel like it took a bit of a U-turn. And then some time passes and... Feyre sets up a trap and captures Tamlin randomly. I think it's like a bit of a practical joke. Like, she's like, haha, got you. Yeah, she's like, if I have to be stuck here, I want to make it fun. I think it's a bit of, it's more of a playful aspect of their relationship. Yeah, probably trying to let off some steam. So he's like, hanging upside down. <laughs> and then he starts reciting poetry. And Feyre's like, what are you doing, bro? Conflagration. <laughs> Well, yes, he does. Oh. He has made five poems, yes. all like kind of dirty and foul languaged, and he's included each of the words she was struggling learning so that she could have it in a context. Yes, a dirty context, which is the way that Winkling. we like it. And she laughs lots, which is nice because I don't think we've seen a time yet where Feyre has been really happy. No, she probably hasn't laughed in years. So this is a big moment. <laughs> Isaac strips the pants and she's like, hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is, I guess, most carefree and she doesn't have as much burden on her. Definitely. So she can actually allow herself to laugh. I'm sure funny situations have happened, but she's had other things on her mind. Yeah. And we also find out that Tamlin's father was a pretty bad man. Yes. Which we were hinted at earlier on, but this is more of a story. Yes. And his older brothers were pretty bad as well. Yeah, he's had a bit of a rough childhood. Yes, but unfortunately they are dead and so is his mother. So it's just Tamlin. So they've both lost their mothers. Yes. Something to bond over. <laughs> I mean, they got to take anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, so they're bonding a lot, obviously, and getting to know each other a bit more. Because at the start, Feyre was kind of under the spotlight a lot of the times. They just wanted to find out everything about her. And so he's opening up to her... But first talking about his best friend. So anyways, that's the way that you got to do it. And then we find out about this event coming up called Kalanmai, mm. which is fire night. Should be called spicy night. <laughs> anyways. Because we know what's going to happen. Oh, yes. So basically it involves like all these drums. <laughs> They're like... Kalanmai, my lots of drums. <laughs> Kalanmai, lots of drums. So it's a ceremony and Tamlin needs to go. And he basically says to Feyre, stay in your chamber, do not come out, no matter what. Um, what does Feyre do? She gets mad about it, because she's like, my boy is partying without me. She does. But when she gets there, some kind of creepy men corner her, and they're like, ooh, a mortal, let's have some fire night fun. And we know, we kind of know what this means. Yeah, they want to look at her ivory under things. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yes. Um, they also want to remove the ivory under things. Absolutely. And we're not vibing that. No, and someone else is also not vibing it. Yes. Feyre hears a voice behind her that says, Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. And she turns around 
She's never seen that man in her life. I know her. We want to see this man. However, he's described as the most beautiful man she's ever seen. I want to know what this man looks like. But also, how many handsome men has Farah seen? Everyone's in poverty around where she is. So she's probably seen scrawny, scrawny boys, Isaac. Well, yeah, but she's seen Tamlin and Lucian. That's true. That's true. He must be sexy. <laughs> because we know Lucian and Tamlin are both extremely attractive. Yes. He basically creates a bit of a diversion for the men and is like, oh, she's with me. Obviously, this very handsome man is very powerful because the men are like, oh, we didn't know. We didn't realize. They like scatter ASAP. Yes. They're like, we got to get away from this man. And Pharaoh's like, hmm, he might be kind of powerful. Hmm, I like it. And then Lucian rocks up and he's super mad that Pharaoh left her room because we know she was under specific instructions from Tamlin not to leave her chamber. Mm -hmm. But when you don't explain your reasoning, of course someone's going to break the rules. Oh, it's pretty much saying, please leave your room. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't come out. But like, come on. But like, also, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. And Lucian basically just tells Feyre that the crops of the land depend on the magic that's generated during Kalanmai. So in order to do this kind of generation of crops... Tamla needs to generate allow... some magic. <laughs> oh, oh boy, okay. Ooh, yeah. I was going to go for a lot more of a smoother segue, but that oh. also works. <laughs> Tamla needs to allow this really great and terrible magic to enter his being. And then there's this weird hunt thing that happens and he has to find the maiden and generate some magic, as you said. Yeah, he got to hunt her down. That's why he likes hunting. Maybe when he was like, Feyre, let's go hunting. He was actually using a code word. Yeah, but she's like, nah, man, I just want to draw. <laughs> I just wanna Poor Tamlin, he was really trying there. He was yeah. putting himself out there. Lucian was probably like, that was way too forward of you. And Tamlin's like, no, I think she likes it. <laughs> Tamlin has no clue. And Lucian's like, mm, I don't know if she understood the analogy. Yeah. And Feyre's like, oh, look at the tree in the distance. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor Tamlin. Anyway, so obviously Lucian takes her back to her room. And he's like, don't leave, seriously. <laughs> And Pharaoh's like, alright, <laughs> but then <laughs> she gets a little bit hangry in the middle of the night, yeah. so she goes to the kitchen to find a cookie. <laughs> yeah, she hunts for the cookie. <laughs> Who doesn't, honestly? She's so relatable. And she... Who does she bump into? She bumps into Tamlin. And he pushes her up against a wall. He does. He seems very, like, rapacious. It's very intense. And Pharaoh's like, um, let go of me, sir. <laughs> And Tamlin says, I searched for you and you weren't there. When I didn't find you, it made me pick another. She asked me not to be gentle with her either. I would have been very gentle with you, though. I would have had you moaning my name throughout it all. And I would have taken a very, very long time, Feyre. Oh, oh my, my goodness. <laughs> wow. That is so delicious. And Feyre's like... Thank you, I will have some of that. Yes, she was like, why did I not leave my room sooner if I knew you wanted my cookie? So that's pretty spicy. It is so spicy. He knows how to use these words. It's like when, it's like he's drunk. And then he bites her neck. It just gets better and better. This is, this whole build up is so intense. When I was reading it, I was like, I want to know what happens next. This has to be it. And then just more and more happens. Okay, but I do have a slight, not issue, but maybe query about the scenes. 
So we know that during Fire Night, Tamlin's canine teeth have elongated, so they're kind of like vampire fang situations, I think. Yeah. Um. They do be sharp. Yeah. And long. This is not just like a... Has he, like, eaten a chunk out of her shoulder? <laughs> I don't know, but you know what? I think then he bit me is a bit more sensual and sexual than... Then he chomped down on my <laughs> limbs. You know, it's not that sexy. Sarah J. Mars was probably tossing up, like, should I they chomp or should I should I bit? And she's like, I'm gonna go with bite. <laughs> like, I think that's the best option. <laughs> yes. And then she slaps him because she's like, that is not cool, my friend. No, because all love stories, all great sexual tension is relieved from a good old slap or punch. Oh, it's essential. It is essential. And then she goes back to her room. I don't think she really sleeps. She's too busy thinking about some elongated canines on her neck. And she's like, there's no one here to bandage up my shoulder. (laughs) I did it for Tamlin. He did not return the favour. No, he hit it and quit it. He did hit it and quit it, but so did Feyre because she went back to her room. Did she grab a cookie? I don't know. She's probably No, she was. She was eating the cookie. She was like eating the cookie when she bumped into him. (laughs) <laughs> and I think she, like, dropped the cookie or something. I think she would have dropped the cookie. I would have dropped my cookie. <laughs> Maybe she got so overwhelmed that she just handed in the cookie and then left. To go to She's like, room. here, take it, I gotta go. Take it, I'm sorry, you're so hungry, I j- this is all I can do for you. <laughs> Don't eat my shoulder. <laughs> Obviously, it was not a hungry hungry, it was a lusty hungry. <laughs> the way you said that, just like... It's true. It is true. Yeah. And then the next morning, Feyre heads down to breakfast, and Lucian and Tamlin are there because, I don't know, tradition or whatever they're doing there. Yeah, bromance every day. Oh yeah, with with Feyre third wheel. <laughs> Feyre. And Lucian's like, what is that on your neck? Why have you got a bruise there? And Feyre really flippantly goes, ask him. He did it. And Tamlin kind of looks up from his meal and he's like, I bit her. <laughs> literally like a dog explaining to its owner if it could talk like why they did something i'm just a little bit confused about some of tamlin's social skills he probably doesn't have much no a bit awkward (laughs) i think he's so awkward all of his family they've kind of passed away and he's probably quite guarded because he doesn't really know who to trust yeah and so obviously Lucian's like, all right, my work is done. They're having a bit of banter and I'm kind of just in the middle. Yeah. And Tamlin basically blames her. He's like, um, if Feyre can't be bothered listening to orders, then she has to be held accountable for her actions. And Feyre's like, orders? What? She literally says, you cornered me in the hole like a wolf with a rabbit. <laughs> and Lucian's just like sitting there. With his arm on the table covering his mouth. With his hand. And he's like, oh, bro, I've gotten in the middle of something. I love this, like, frat boy attitude that <laughs> Lucian brings to it. Even the way that his limbs are described like, covering his mouth. Like, it's so funny. He's trying hard not to show that he's laughing. I can just tell. He is. He's like, Tamlin, we spoke about this. You do not bite your guests. Come on. Anyway, Bear is not happy. And she's like, fairy pig. And storms out. <laughs> and Lucian's like... This is when he, like, lets himself go. He's just, like, cackling. He's straight up having it. He's howling with laughter. I love Lucian. Anyway, but it seems like no hard feelings between them. I think it was just, like, friendly banter. Yeah, I think Tamlin's worse than pig. (laughs) Probably. 
And then that night, Feyre decides it's time to wear a dress to dinner. It is, not a tunic. Big change up for Feyre. Very big. Alice was like grinning from ear to ear probably. Oh yeah, 100%. She's like, I don't know what bought this on, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes down to dinner and Lucian takes one look at Feyre and he's like, damn girl, you looking like a snack, but I'm out of here. Yeah. So he leaves. I'm going to eat cookies in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he leaves and Feyre like sits at the end of the table. And it's one of those, I, I can just picture it. It's like one of those big, long dining tables. They're both seated at the first ends away from each other. Yes, like in Shrek. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, like in Shrek. And Feyre's like, oh, I'm sitting so far away from you. And Tamlin just like snaps his fingers and he makes the table like a quarter of the length that it previously was. And so they have a bit of an intimate dinner together. So after dinner, Feyre's like, I have something for you. And Tamlin's like, please tell me more. Is it under things. (laughs) He wishes, but no. Feyre takes him to the gallery and she's like, I made this painting for you. And I think it was just like a really pretty painting or something like that. And Tamlin like walks around and looks at all the other paintings she's done and he sees one of, I think it was like a clenched hand against a hay bale. And he's like, that's my predecessor, Isaac. He got nice hands though. (laughs) Probs. And Farrah's like, no, they're actually my man hands. <laughs> they're, they're where I At yeah. <laughs> Anyways. And Tamlin's like, um, I don't want that painting you painted for me. And she's like, rude. <laughs> he says, can I have this one? And it's a painting of Farrah's family home in winter or something. And it just looks not happy. No, quite cold, obviously. And she's like, oh no, but that doesn't fit the vibe of the estate at all. Yeah, this is a spring court. Exactly. New beginnings, fresh. Yes. And says, I want it nonetheless. Because he wants all the parts of her. Yes. So, obviously something has shifted during this night. Yes. There's definitely a change in their relationship. And they're kind of like sunbaking somewhere, I think. Maybe like the Glen from before. Hmm. Instead of Tamlin, it's Tanlin. <laughs> I'm telling you, I really think that they have some gnarly tan lines under those masks. <laughs> yes. It's just around the eyes. That's the only bit that's tan. It's like when you wear face. goggles or sunglasses. <laughs> yes, but the opposite. Because the goggles and sunglasses cover your eyes. But the mask exposes Yeah, it. but he's still got the outline of the mask on his oh, face. True. Oh my gosh, that's so oh, embarrassing. Sucks for people in the spring court. It does suck. And Tamlin's like, you're not experiencing this the same way that I am. And she's like, of course I am. What do you mean? And he's like, no, you've got a glamour on you, kind of, but I will give you the sight if you'd like it. And she's like, mm, yeah, sure. And he's like, everything comes with a price, though. Okay, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Relax. I know. And she's like, okay, well, what's the price? And he's like, I want a kiss. <laughs> Which is so untamlin like Yeah, he's like a little boy. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm but also he's kiss. like blushing and awkward and be like, Lucian, I need your help to like wingman me. And then he's like, I want you to kiss me. <laughs> yeah, but that's also, he really needed Lucian then to be Lucian like... <laughs> needs to steer him in the right direction. Lucian just needs to drive. <laughs> And Tamlin just needs to be there. I know. And then Feyre's like, um, wow, okay, um, wow. Story checks out, though. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, Tamlin kisses her eyelids, and when she opens her eyes, all of a sudden everything's, like, super gorgeous. This willow tree thing is, like, making really pretty noises or something like that. Yeah, it's basically just 
like rose tinted glasses. You see everything differently. But instead of seeing everything positively, it's just without this Everything's just beautiful. Yes. And real. Like it's what's actually there instead of this yes. thing to protect the humans, I guess. Yes. And then Tamlin's like, okay, well, now where's my kiss? And Feyre, like, grabs his hand and slams a kiss on the back of his hand. And he's like, okay, I'll take it. Mm, sloppy, sloppy. Anyway, and she's, like, murmuring some things. Because I think this the sound of the willows, like, making her really sleepy. And she's, like, murmuring or, like, rattling on about something. She sees his face without the mask. And she reaches up to touch it. But the mask is still there, obviously. And she's like, you're exactly how I imagined you would be. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, like really straight nose and like, so basically she's like, you were so handsome. Yeah. I think that she always knew that he would be attractive, but now it kind of solidifies that fact. Yes, definitely. And as she's kind of falling asleep due to the lulling noises of the willow, he's like, you're exactly as I dreamed you to be too. And on that romantic note, she falls asleep. Perfect timing. Feyre. Reply! <laughs> Some under things could have been involved there, yes. I feel like. Tamla's like, can I take off your under things now? And then she's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's out to it. She's out like a light. She's just sleep. <laughs> so the next morning, Farah wakes up and she wakes to a random woman kind of fussing around in her room and rearranging things and cleaning. And Farah's obviously very confused. She's like, usually Alice does this stuff. So she asks the lady, like, good morning... <laughs> Where is Alice? And the lady says, I am Alice, you stupid girl. She's like, what are you talking about? Exactly. I do think, though, as a sidebar here, mm -hmm. it is important to note that so far Alice is the only dark-skinned character that we've met. Yes, because she's described as having more tree-barky skin. Yes. While others have basically just normal, flawless skin. And whilst I do really like Sarah J. Mars's writing... Mm -hmm. The fact that she has chosen someone who is a servant to have dark skin. Yes. I feel like that's really poor form. Absolutely. Because I feel like these books do lack a lot in diversity of oh, definitely. race and, you know, sexuality and stuff. But to make it a little bit more sensitive, she's added this character in this status. Hmm. Yeah. It's not... It's not great. No. But we do like Alice as a character. We like her backstory. We do. She's a great character. Anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, it turns out that this glamour has also been removed on everything in the spring court. Yes. So Feyre leaves her room and there's like many people strolling around and she's like, oh, when did all these people get here? Exactly. And she rocks up to breakfast with Tamlin and Lucian and she's like, there's so many people here. And they're like, yeah, they've been here the whole time. <laughs> And Farrah's like, but that night when I thought I saw my father and I, like, ran out crying. And Tamlin's like, yeah, you had a whole audience. Yeah. <laughs> that, I feel like Tamlin could have gone without saying that. Yeah, but also, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> like, she's just crying. And she's sobbing just... all these Farrah around her being yeah. like, hmm, I see. Yeah, do you think when she was running, they were all like, oh, gosh, gotta move out of the way. <laughs> True. <laughs> quick, quick, move. If she's, like, power walking, yeah. a crowd's parting for her. She's, like, splitting the red She's low-key, like, I am royalty yeah. <laughs> without even knowing it. And she doesn't know any of these people. That's so funny. And then also at breakfast, Lucian knows that something has gone down with her and Tamlin. He knows because his sixth sense is Tamlin and Farah's relationship. Yes. 
<laughs> that other eye. That's all it's used for, for detecting yeah, changes in their half relationship. Half vision and half is just Tatman and wingman. And wingmanning. And he's like, if I offer you the moon on a string, will you give me a kiss too? And Tatman's like, shut up. I told you this in confidence. Tatman's probably like, don't ask her because then she'll give you an actual kiss. <laughs> and I'll be jealous. I'll be so jealous. I love Lucian. Me too. I think he just says it the way it is. Like, there's no really awkward silences because I feel like he'd just be like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> Instead of just sitting there, he'll just mention exactly what everyone's thinking. Oh, true, true, true. Love you. Anyways. So the next morning, kind of a not so great turn of events. They find a head, like, speared to a post or something in the backyard area. Yeah, not a great thing to have your morning cuppa with. <laughs> no, and it's got this kind of symbol stuck on it. And we find out that is the night court's symbol. Yes. And we kind of find out that this is probably the doings of a man named Resand. Yes, who obviously has a lot of power in the night court and is not a good guy in everyone's eyes. No, we haven't met him yet. No. But yeah, so they kind of put that in the past a little bit. And now it is the summer solstice. So <laughs> there's a bit of a party. Forget about the head. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. And, of course, Feyre's now into dresses, so she puts on this really gorgeous dress and she's ready to partay. She is. She's like, Callan, my, that was yesterday. Today we are getting ready to get down to business. Callan, my, was just a warm-up. She's ready to, she's ready to go for it this time. She is. She got her dress on. Alice is really happy with her for putting on the dress. I love Alice. She's such a great character. Same. So she heads down to the main party area thing and she's with Lucian and he's like, don't drink the wine. It's Faye wine. And she's like, I'm a drinker. <laughs> I've drank before. Come on, look at me. So she gets drunk off Faye wine. Yes, even though Lucian's like, no, 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 seriously, this is not like normal wine. This is powerful wine. Yes, so she's super ditzy and stuff, and Lucian basically has to play babysitter, and he's so exasperated, and he's just not vibing. Yeah, Lucian wanted to party with Alice, and instead he just has to look after Feyre. I think Lucian wanted to do a lot more than party with Alice. I think he wanted to finally... He's been working a lot lately. He just wants to get around a bit. He wants to party with Alice. I don't think Alice would vibe. I feel like Alice, like... No, I think Alice and Lucian would meet up daily and be like, gosh, that favourite girl. No way. At the start, Alice was like, sometimes Lucian needs to be put in his place. Sexy. Maybe she knows. Maybe that's how she knows. I think they have sexual tension. They don't have a single scene together, but I think they have sexual tension. You're you're right. I didn't even realize it before. They don't have a single scene together. No, but she knows him really well. I guess everyone knows Lucian because he's pretty high status in the spring court. Yeah, but you know, when she like makes his bed, he'll be sitting on the bed like, I'm not letting you make my bed. I don't know. Oh my god. Instead of making my bed, get in in here. And because Feyre's, like, super drunk, she's like, oh, listen to all the beautiful music. I'ma go dance with the musicians. So she's, like, twirling around and stuff, and she makes eye contact with this one musician, and it's Tamlin. So I don't know if he's playing, like, a fiddle or if it's a lyre or something. Either way, turns out our man Tamlin is very talented in the music department. Yes, that's probably what he spends all day doing, just playing his little instrument. (laughs) He probably learnt how to play. Actually, no, I do. I remember earlier he was telling Feyre that he did, you know, think that being a travelling minstrel would be pretty fun. And then, of course, he 
became High Lord yeah. and could not. And he's apparently really good at it. He is. Mm, impressive. And Lucian's like, oh, come on, Pharaoh, let's go. And Talon's like, don't worry, I'll look after her. Yeah, he will. <laughs> And then Feyre dances for Tamlin. There's a lot of saucy eye contact as she's like, I don't know what kind of dancing she's doing, but there's definitely some sexual tension. Oh, yes. It'll be like sensual slithering. It's not like club dancing where it's like doof, doof, and she's like (laughs) punching her fists in the air. Like, I think she's making a strong eye contact and she's looking at him and he's undressing her with his eyes. As he's playing his little fiddle. (laughs) As he's showing her his little instrument. He's so (laughs) impressed with it. Oh dear. Anyway, so Tamlin takes the opportunity and he leads her away from the rest of the party and they go look at a really pretty scenery. Yes. And then he's like, dance with me, Feyre. And she's like, I would love to. Mm -hmm. Well, no, she doesn't. She just like, I think she's just like, sure. And then they dance. But I know inside her head, she says, I would like nothing more Mm -hmm. than to grind with you. (laughs) To dance and then get into bed. (laughs) Except, you know, it's probably, like, ballroom dancing. Yeah, that's true. And then Tamlin kisses Feyre, the moment we've all been waiting for. Yes, and honestly, it's really nice. It's super sweet, and I think it occurs at the end of a chapter, and just the last line of the chapter is, it was the happiest moment of my life. Yeah. And I just... I mean, she was drunk off of Feywine. I think it would have worn off a little bit by now. I mean, who knows? So at lunch the next day, they're just, like, having a chat and stuff, and then all of a sudden, Tamlin just stops halfway through the sentence, and they're like, we need to glamour you, Feyre. So Lucian stands kind of against the wall with Feyre behind him, and they somehow glamoured her to be invisible. Hmm. So Tamlin's just still casually eating um, his lunch at the table, <laughs> and a man walks in, and Feyre's like, I know him. This is the most beautiful man I've ever seen. <laughs> it is. And we find out that this man is Resand. High Lord of the Night Court. Yes, the one who basically sent the head to the backyard. The severed head. Yes. That is very unfortunate. So unfortunate. They're just kind of chatting and stuff, and I think Resand is making low-key threats, and Tamlin's like, whatever, just leave, please. I don't know what gave it away, but Resand notices that he's being glamoured. Yes. And he's like, how dare you? He's very unhappy. He's like, you deceived me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just you having lunch, Tamlin. <laughs> With Lucian awkwardly standing against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Lucian's ready to go. And then Resan sees Feyre, and he's like, I know you. Well, I don't know if he actually says I know you, but we definitely know that Resand knows Feyre. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and who's this? And Lucian's like, Oh, this? This is my betrothed. <laughs> and in order to, like, exert his power, Reese holds Feyre's mind. So he's obviously got some, not even just control, I think, like, this is full-on, could shatter a mind, can talk to you in your mind. He's just got all just mind powers. And Tamlin is terrified by this. He's like, please, let her go. Yeah, he's, like, begging him. Yes. And funny you should say that, because Resand is, like will you beg for her? And he gets down on his knees and he's like, please, please let her go. Don't tell I'm Marantha. She's here. And that's a big deal because this is a high lord on his knees. It is. Begging some other guy. Well, another high lord. (laughs) You know, they should be equals, but they're obviously not. Yes. 
and Rhysand is about to leave and he's like, what's your name? And Feyre's like, well, obviously I can't tell him my real name because what if he uses it against me? So she chooses a random name that one of the girls in the village she grew up in had and she's like, my name is Claire Bedore. She should have gone with like Jane Doe or something. <laughs> True. Why an actual person? Yeah, bad choice. Bad choice. And we can kind of tell Rhysand is like, that's not true, but whatever. We'll yeah. go with that for now. Yeah. And he just vanishes. So the next day, obviously Tamlin is quite shaken about everything that happened with Rhysand the day before. So he all of a sudden just tells Feyre that he's sending her home. Back to the mortal lands to her family. And Feyre's really confused because she's thinking there's a rule against this. There's actually a rule ingrained that you can't break. He's like... Yeah, we can work our way around yeah, it. Yeah, find a little bit of a loophole. And Feyre's kind of upset that he wants to send her home. Yes, because she wants to stay with him. They've exactly. Had some sexy times. They have. And she's like, how long are you sending me away for? A week? A month? A year? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, not forever, right? And he's just kind of quiet and she goes, oh, you know, she goes into the self-pity situation and she's like, I suppose it'll be easier. Who wants someone who's so covered in thorns? And Talon's like, thorns? What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought I kissed them away. <laughs> yeah. I thought you, I removed that yeah. when you pricked your finger on a rose that one time. I do not remember. <laughs> and Farrah's like, thorny, prickly, sour, contrary, with all, obviously all these new words that she's learned. Yeah, she is educated. <laughs> and then Talon kind of just kisses her and he says, not forever. And then things escalate a lot. <laughs> they do. She gets pulled onto his lap. She does. This is the spice. <laughs> and Feyre, our bold gal, pushes Tamlin onto the bed, straddles him, and pins him down. Yes. A very dominant act by Feyre. Not what I would have expected. I would expect that of Tamlin. Me too. But not Feyre. But that's why this is good. It's refreshing. Because I think she thought that she was playing this game with him. So she's like, we have forever. Like, we have so long. And then all of a sudden he's like, no... Uh, you're leaving, like, now. And she's like, oh, alright, better get to it. <laughs> but check this one off the bucket list. <laughs> Flips them over. We did predict that he would be a little bit more dominant, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he would, yeah. She needs to initiate and then he'll care of it from her. And then all of a sudden, her night count is up. And Tamlin's got his hands on those under things that he loves so much. <laughs> ivory under things. <laughs> and basically just says, give me everything. And he does. It is so spicy. Like, this whole scene is quite spicy. Speaking of, what's your spice rating of this scene? I'm going to rate this scene a three and three quarters. I was going to say the same thing. Were you actually? Yeah. I think it's lacking a four just because it could be a little bit more. But I like how Pharaoh was dominant and initiated it. So it was actually really consensual, you know? This was actually one of the first, like spicy scenes I read. Because I read this book when I was 14, I think. Oh, wow. Very overwhelming. It was. I was like, damn. Wow. Okay. This is love. But yes, I definitely think... I've read spicier scenes. Yeah. But there's definitely some spice here. It's up there. It's written very well. <laughs> very vivid. It Not has. Not that much imagination needed. So after this, Pharaoh just falls asleep in his arms. That was a tiring experience. That was exhausting. Tamlin went ham. It was like a cardio workout for both of them. But Fair is a human, so... She's exhausted. No. No Zumba classes for her. <laughs> She's a bit tired. Tamlin's like, ready for my protein shake. 
<laughs> I bet you, I bet you Tamlin is a gym boy. He I can is. picture him just like walking, like yeah. shaking his protein shake. A gym junkie and Lucian's in the little spin class. I can actually kind of picture Lucian as a gym <laughs> receptionist. Yeah. And he's like, so uh, where do you want to sign up? What kind of membership package would you like? Oh my gosh, he's like selling everything. Yeah, whilst the like personal trainer, aka Tamlin, is like, Look at my big muscles. Yeah, Tamlin would, like, help the other girls with how to lift the weights, even though they already know. But anyway. I tell you what, after the previous scene, I'm changing my mind. I think Tamlin is a Pilates instructor. Oh, my gosh. And he goes, and thrust. And oh, thrust. my gosh, yes. <laughs> Tamlin would do that Pilates. Oh, I, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, anyways. They both worked out hard, is what we were trying to get to. Yes, and even though... They obviously shared a very intimate moment. When they wake up, Tamlin's like, you're leaving at dawn. Yeah, you're still leaving. No matter how good you are in bed, Pharaoh, you still got to go. <laughs> Poor Pharaoh. Yeah. That's a real, that's an actual hit it and quit it. Yeah, so true. Except it's hit it and I'm quitting you. And then there's this really beautiful moment where she's about to fall asleep again because, I don't know, that's what she's doing apparently. She must have gone at it. And Tamlin says, I love you, thorns and all. Aww. Tamlin. That's actually so nice. So this bit happens pretty quickly. Tamlin basically sends her out to a carriage or something like that. And he tells her he loves her again. And she's just so emotional and overwhelmed that she doesn't reply. And she hops in the carriage and she leaves and she goes back to the mortal lands. Yes, where her family is. And she rocks up and Nesta is like, oh my lady. And Pharaoh's like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I'm Pharaoh, your sister. And Nesta's like, I did not recognize you. Yeah. Nesta's like, you look great. You have such dainty hands. <laughs> She's like, you are not malnourished anymore. No, you don't got those man fingers. What happened? <laughs> but this is when we also find out that the kind of glamour that Tamlin obviously put on their family is they think Feyre was away with their distant aunt or something. They're helping her out. Yes, and the aunt has passed away and all of the riches were sent back to the family. Yes. And also somehow their wealth was recovered from the bottom of the sea where it sank or whatever was the reason for their poverty. Yes, because obviously Tamlin left them in very, very good wealth. Bless Tamlin. Bless Tamlin. But he did promise her that and he needs to be a man of his wealth. And Nesta's still pretty salty. And we find out that Nesta, because of her will of steel or whatever, she was not affected by the glamour. And she actually went to the wall to try and find Feyre, but turned back when she didn't have any luck. Yes, her mind was so powerful that she just blocked out everything that happened that was glamorized. So she's like, no, there's no aunt. No, we didn't get this wealth from this. And Elaine and her dad are just floating on clouds like, wow, this is so nice. That must have been really rough for Nesta. Yes, she would have felt so isolated and alone. And probably grumpy because Elaine's like, why are you so angry still? Like, we're fine. And Nesta knows what's up. And so she can't really fully recover from that. I am really impressed though that Nesta went all the way to the wall to try and find Feyre. Yes. That's not a very Nesta move. That no. wasn't something I was expecting. That redeems her a little bit in my eyes. And Feyre and Nesta kind of have a bit of a D&M, and Feyre explained exactly what happened in the Fey world, and Nesta's like, well, if you love him, shouldn't you be out, like, fighting for him if he's, his lands are going through this sickness? And she's like, oh my goodness, you're right. <laughs> she literally was at home for 20 minutes. <laughs> I think it was actually a lot longer, like, yeah. it might have been, like, a week or something. It felt like 20 minutes. Anyway, she heads back to the spring court. Yes. And when she arrives, she's devastated. 
yes, everything is in ruins. Everything's, like, torn down. It is not in the best shape. And she's yelling. She's like, Tamlin! Tamlin! Yes. Lucian! So she's screaming out for her two main boys, but none of them answer. But she does find someone, and it's Alice. I think she accidentally finds Alice, and Alice is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're meant to be back home. Yes. And this is where we get the full backstory on what's yes. been going on. We find out that Tamlin and the rest of their court are at this place called Under the Mountain. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a very nice place. Definitely. Not, not. five-star stay. No. Airbnb rating, not great. <laughs> and we find out that this she that everyone keeps on referring to is a woman called Amarantha. And she's the one who caused the curse. Yes. And she is the High Queen of Prithian. And Farrah's like, well, what do you mean? We have high lords, not high queens. Yeah, women can't have power. And Alice is like, okay, let's explain this even more because... <laughs> She's an idiot. <laughs> you dumb. Yeah. And she says, we find out that Amarantha, a hundred years ago, was the emissary for this man named the King of Highburn. And she kind of went from each court charming the high lords, a lot of that kind of stuff. But she was also the most lethal general of the King of Highburn. And there was a big war that went down, and her younger sister Clithia, a human man named Durian, and was just using Clithia for information about the Fae, and he ended up betraying Clithia, and Amarantha killed Durian as a result of this. Yes, because no one messed with family. No. At least she has family loyalty. She has priority straight. She does. But she also did kind of do some not great things. She cut off Durian's finger, I believe. Mm. And wears it as a necklace. Yes. And she also carved out Durian's eye and wears it as a ring. Yeah. Your sister's ex-boyfriend and you're just keeping that stuff from him. It's a little bit weird. Well, I think it's more so that it's like Lucian's metal eye. Like, it yes. works. Yeah, it still moves. So Durian has to watch all of the humans she tortures and whatnot as oh, his punishment. True. Oh my gosh. She's mm. actually smart. Not a great time. And now she has trapped the seven high lords from each court under the mountain. And this blight that they kept on talking about is actually referring to Amarantha. Yes, because she is the sickness that's spreading in the lands. And then Alice, she's overtaking the cereal in the Gossip Girl statement. She is spilling that hot tea. She is. Tea for Tamlin. <laughs> Speaking of, mm -hmm. we find out that Amarantha desired Tamlin. She wanted him. Really badly. Yeah, but Tamlin was like, I'm good, thank you. That's exactly what he said, straight up. I just yep. know it. He's yeah. like, thank you so much, but I will pass. I'll pass. You go back to... I don't want my eyeball to turn into jewellery. <laughs> Imagine I'm that. Imagine God. getting into a relationship with someone knowing that they might carve out your eyeball oh and use it as a ring. Oh my gosh. And because of Tamlin's unwillingness to get with Amarantha, I guess, she created a curse on him and his court. She did. And that's why they're all wearing the masks, obviously. And so in order to break this curse, she says that Tamlin needs to find a human girl willing to marry him. But the catch is, she has to have hated Faye with such a passion that she killed one. Yes. And basically, this is why Feyre bumped into Andres in the woods right at the beginning. Because since the curse started, Tamlin has been sending out his sentries to try and, I guess, lure a fae-hating human girl. To, to kill them. Well, yeah, so yeah. he can bring them back to the court. Yes. 
for the greater good of the people, these poor fae have to sacrifice themselves. Yes. Poor Andre. He got skinned. <laughs> poor Andre. Oh. And this is when Feyre kind of makes the connection that the treaty that Tamlin spoke of at the beginning was a complete lie. Yes. That's kind of sucky. It is, because they're not meant to be able to lie. I didn't actually think of that. I was just more thinking that Tamlin has betrayed Feyre's trust. However, that is a very good point, that they're supposed to always tell the truth. Yeah, and they didn't. He did not. No. And Feyre then realises that if she had have just said, I love you to Tamlin right before she left, the whole curse would have been broken. I know, but the goodbye was so hurried, I think she just didn't want to. She was in shock. She was, and I think she just assumed that he would know, but he really needed her to say it. Yes, but I think that was kind of the terms of the curse. Like, she needed to physically say, I love you. Exactly, but she didn't know that. And now she does, she's kicking herself in the... She was very guilty. Yes. So she's like, Alice... I need you to take me under the mountain. Yes, and Alice is like, no, but alright. Yes, she's like, I'll take you to the entry, but I am not going in there. No. I have children to protect. She does. So at the entryway of Under the Mountain, another creature finds Feyre, and it's called the Atoll. Mm-hmm. And it takes her to Amarantha. Yes. She's very regal, she's on a throne, she's kind of devastatingly gorgeous, mm-hmm. because apparently Sarah J Maas... Cannot write. Ugly characters. Not even ugly, just average looking. All of them have to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And on a slightly smaller throne next to her is Tamlin. He got his little seat. (laughs) Not super vibing Tamlin there. He chose no recognition of Feyre. Mm. Completely blank face. Doesn't even really want to look at her. No. Probably to protect her, but... Oh, definitely. But either way, like, if I rocked up... Putting myself at risk. To save my man. A little bit of recognition would be really nice. Absolutely. And Feyre's like, let's do a last ditch hope. I'm here to claim the man I love. And Amaranth is like, that's nice. And she's like, I'm here to claim Tamlin, High Lord of the Spring Court. And everyone's like, ooh, I see. Mm. (laughs) This is a little more serious than we thought it was going to be. Yes. And not so great. Feyre looks around and she sees the body of Claire all nailed to the wall. Yes, and that's the girl that she pretended she was back at lunch when Resan asked her her name. Yes. She's very clearly dead. Yes, but it really looked like she went through it. She was heavily tortured before she died. Yes. And Amarantha is like, Tamlin, have you ever seen this mortal girl in your life? And he's like, um, no. She's probably just some gal that Resan has glamoured, and it's a bit of a practical joke. And Amarantha's like, I don't think so. Not my type of humour. Yeah, exactly. And she ends up proposing a bargain with Feyre. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Fay, you should know not to make bargains with them. No. And Amarantha basically makes a bargain that if Feyre can complete three tasks set by Amarantha, then Tamlin's all hers. But Feyre also says the curse has to be broken too. Yes, yes. So that's groovy. That's very smart. Bargaining. To what you want. You should not bargain with someone who has that much power. But Amaranth is like, yeah, fair. Because she really doesn't think Feyre could do it. Oh, no one thinks Feyre is going to do it. No. And then Amarantha says, but also, as an extra little fun game, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if at any point during this time period in which you're completing the tasks, you solve this riddle, I will immediately break the curse. Yes. And everyone under the mountain will be freed. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little parting gift. 
the Atoll beats up Feyre and throws her in a cell. What a nice lad. So Feyre wakes up in prison and she sees Lucian comes to see her and he's basically like, are you okay? Because she just got beaten up and she goes, I think my nose is broken. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> and so he fixes it for her. He does. He does yeah. one swift crack and that's back right. to normal. Exactly. Apparently that's how that works. And then some guards come and take Feyre out to the throne room, I guess. And we kind of make the connection that Resand is Amarantha's whore, basically. Yeah, that's how he is actually described in the book. Yes. Which is kind of sad, but, you know, he deserves it. Yeah. He killed Claire. Or he got her into that position. Yeah, and he sent that head on a spike or whatever yes, it was. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's done some dodgy things. And Amarantha basically says, so what's your name? And Feyre doesn't want to say it. No one really wants to say it. And then she's like, let me just grab some incentive. She has the Atoll grab Lucian and they basically intend to kill him. And Reese holds Lucian's mind, I believe, and like tortures him a little bit. Yeah, because he's got that mind power. Yes. Lucian's like screaming and Feyre's like, fine, my name is Feyre. And at this point, Amarantha tells Feyre the riddle. Yes, that if she breaks, everything will be chill. And it goes like this. There are those who seek me a lifetime, but never we meet. And those I kiss, but who trample me beneath ungrateful feet. At times I seem to favour the clever and the fair, but I bless all those who are brave enough to dare. By large my ministrations are soft-handed and sweet, but scorned I become a difficult beast to defeat. For though each of my strikes lands a powerful blow, when I kill, I do it slow. I feel like everyone on, like, TikTok and Facebook and just all the main platforms, everyone knew this riddle. Yeah. Did you? I did. I didn't. I was thinking, surely it's not that. <laughs> well, I am so bad at riddles. So am I. But I was thinking, what else could it really be? So I thought it was going to be an extension off of what it actually was. I just did not know until Feyre said it. And I was oh. like, damn. And I feel really okay. stupid every time I see someone making a TikTok being like, oh my god, could it be any more easy? And I was like, well. <laughs> and this is also when Feyre begins her first task. So she basically gets shoved in this maze thing. And Amarantha is like, I did my research and I heard you like to hunt. So hunt this. Feyre's like, I don't like to hunt, <laughs> Why guys? does everyone keep on thinking yeah. I do? And so she's just like in this maze being like, I wonder what I'm supposed to be hunting. And this huge ass worm appears, <laughs> tries to kill her, really. Yeah, that's the main point of any of the tasks, I think. Yes. It's called the Midden Guard Worm. Sounds intense. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. When reading this, I know it's supposed to be... Scary. Yeah, but I picture it as that worm. I think it's from Spongebob. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just like, chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah. Sort of like... A little Pac-Man. Exactly. Action. I was thinking of that worm snake game where if you eat the other snake... Then oh, it grows longer? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. But obviously this is a horrendous worm. No, it's terrifying. Lots of sharp teeth. We don't like it. No. And Feyre's running. She's like, yikes. And she ends up hiding, I think, in a little hole or something. And someone shouts something about a stepping stool, I think. Yeah. And she's like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I have a plan. So she ends up cleaving a trap for the worm. Because traps have worked so well for her in the past. <laughs> yeah, she's good at it. It's her yeah. talent. And she 
uses bones from the previous victims of the worm, I believe. How morbid. <laughs> to, like, make sharp, pointy things yeah. come up from the ground. This is such a bad way I'm describing it. No, but she's very resourceful. She is. Yeah. So she creates this, and so it turns out the worm is blind. Mm-hmm. So it relies on scent and maybe smell. Yeah. Anyway, she gets the attention of the worm, and she sprints. She loses the worm momentarily, and Lucian from up above calls, To your left! And she's like, thanks bro, you got my back. He got her back. And I believe drops into this hole, and but she's got her little stepping stone bone things. Exactly. So she grabs onto that so she doesn't fall into the sharp spikes that she made from mm-hmm. other bones, but the worm does not see this coming, and it just falls and dies. Amazing. So she survives the first task. She does. And I think Feyre's had, like, a bit of an adrenaline rush, and she picks up one of the bones and just, like, javelins it towards Amarantha, and it sprays mud all over her gown. And I think Rhysand's like, damn, nice. And Amarantha's like, I hate you. Yeah, she's like, I'm a dirty girl, but I'm not a dirty girl. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And after this takes place, we basically find out that all these Fey were placing bets with Feyre and the Middengard worm. Mm -hmm. One person placed a bet that Feyre would beat it. Yes. And Feyre's like, definitely my boy Tamlin. I'm so sorry, Feyre. Your boy Tamlin was not the person to bet for you. (laughs) No, not even Lucian. It was Rhysand. Yes, it was. Feyre made him a very rich man. She did. So there's definitely maybe... I don't know, there's definitely something going on there. Yes, there is. I mean... It could either be he's very amused by her and he's like, haha, funsies, or he actually thinks that she's got something in her that could solve these challenges. We don't know. No. We don't know. And Feyre's, like, pretty injured after this task. Because it was very physically exerting. Yes. So in her cell that night, Resand rocks up. Because she's pretty much almost dying. She is. Her arm, there's a bone sticking out of her arm. It's just not good. Yeah, it's disgusting. And Resand offers a bargain. Feyre... <laughs> We know the rule is to not make bargains. Not only has she made one with Amarantha, but she's about to make a second. Just because they're hot doesn't mean you need to agree with everything. That's a very important message, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. If someone is super hot, just don't. Think things through first. Yeah, really think things through. Anyways, he basically says, I will heal your arm, but if I do this, you must spend five days for eternity. Yeah, pretty much. For the rest of her life. Yeah, exactly. And as this bargain is formed, Feyre gets this swirling tattoo up her arm. Mm -hmm. And it has an eye right in the palm of her hand. Yes. And Rhysand basically says, this is just custom in the night court. When you make a bargain, this is the way of demonstrating it, I guess. You get branded. Apparently so. Yep. So I think as part of her deal with Amarantha, Feyre has to do a couple of other mini-task things. At this point, I just think it's for Amarantha's amusement. Yes. She's making the most of the situation. Before Feyre ultimately dies, apparently. Yes. So she starts by making Feyre scrub this marble hallway with a brush, Mm -hmm. and she just has a single pail of water. Yep. Which obviously makes the task really difficult, because... The more she scrubs, the dirtier the water gets. And it's really hard to, obviously, clean marble with dirty water. And then a lady walks in, and she recognises the lady. Not personally, but she realises that this is Lucian's mother, the lady of the Autumn Court. Yes. And she gives Feyre a bucket of clean water because she was so grateful that Feyre saved 
Lucian's life. Yes. Back when Amarantha was trying to use him as a bargaining chip for Feyre's name. Yeah, how nice of her. And she basically says, my debt is paid. And then she leaves. Yeah, she's like, alright, bye. Catch you later. I feel better now. See ya. (laughs) So Feyre completes that task. The next one she gets assigned to do is some guards randomly dump a bucket of lentils (laughs) in some random person's bedroom. And they're like, we need all of these lentils back in the bucket. If you do not do this before the occupant returns, you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. So Pharaoh's like, oh my goodness. And she's like trying to pick out little lentils from this obviously dirty fireplace. And then who appears? Reese appears. He does. And he's like, why are you picking lentils out of my fireplace? And Pharaoh's like, oh, it's just one of the tasks that Amarantha told me to do. And he's just like lounging on the bed. Watching her pick out them lentils. <laughs> Pretty much. And Pharaoh's like trying to make casual conversation while she's picking out these lentils. And she's like, so do you know the answer to the riddle? And he's like, I can't tell you. And Feyre's like, yeah, but thought I might as well ask. Yeah. And Reese is like, okay, well, since you had the balls to ask, I am going to use a little bit of magic for you. And he clicks his fingers and all of a sudden all the lentils are back in the bucket. And... It's just so easy for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like, guards, she's done. Literally. And they're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> seems legit. Yeah. And so then there's kind of a party going on, and Reese gets Feyre to be his kind of escort to the party. She's like his date or kind of side her at that party. Out of all the people Reese could have chosen, he chose Feyre. I mean, maybe it's just to test the waters to see how she would go, you know? Maybe the... it's to test Amarantha, because remember, they're sleeping together. That's true. See if she gets a bit jealous. Yeah. Ooh. Probably not great for Feyre, since she's trying to get on Amarantha's not-bad side. True. <laughs> it's really bad for Oopsie. her. Oopsie. Exactly. And anyway, Reese has made Feyre wear a little bit of a saucy outfit. Not even a little bit. A lot of a saucy outfit. It's not even a little bit. It's just a little saucy outfit. <laughs> it's not even an outfit. It's little. <laughs> it is. It's basically two strips of material covering her breasts. He didn't take textiles class in Obviously high not. school. Obviously <laughs> not. And then just one single strip of material covering... Whatever her underthings were meant to cover. (laughs) Yes. She's really missing her ivory underthings at this point. She is. She's like, where them at? She's like, I wish they were still here. Yeah. And Reese has actually covered her in paint, so he knows if someone has touched her. And during that night, Reese practically commands Feyre to drink lots of Fey wine and dance for him. And when she's not dancing, she must sit on his lap. Yes. That's very degrading. Very degrading. I mean, whatever he commands of her is degrading already. But forcing her to drink wine and dance all saucy? He's pretty much drugging her. Yes. Yes. Not good. Not good consent. Just... No. No brownie points for Reese in this event. (laughs) Very true. So in the morning, Feyre's pretty much really hungover. She's vomiting. She's not feeling great. And she can't remember the events of the previous night. Yeah, she blacked out a bit. She did. And Lucian comes to visit her and he's basically like, you had a really big night, you danced a lot for Reese. you sat on his lap. It just was not good all round. No, not a good look for you, but I think Reese had a f- lot of fun. <laughs> yes, and Feyre takes this opportunity to say, what about Tamlin? The spell that Amarantha has him under, where he can't speak or anything... What's going on with that? And Lucian's like, oh, Feyre, honey, there is no spell. 
He's trying to keep quiet to keep you safe. Yes. And, you know, that redeems Tamlin's little nonchalant attitude when Feyre first walked in. True. So Feyre's been dressed up for the second night, where she's expected to do the exact same thing she did previously. And instead her dress is a nice blood orange colour, I guess. Um, And Reese enters the room, and he's like, your second trial is tomorrow. And they have just a bit of a chat in general. And... And Reese makes a little bit of a dig at Tamlin and his court. And Feyre goes, well, your court fell too. And this is the first time we've seen any real emotions in Reesand. Yes. She sees sadness in his violet eyes. His violet eyes. Love it. Whilst I think violet eyes are very interesting, if I saw that in real life... I'd be freaked out. Yeah, I feel like that's very unusual. And basically, Reesand leads... Feyre out into the main area where Amarantha ends up making Reese torture a Fae from the Summer Court. Yeah, an innocent Fae. The reason he's getting tortured is because he tried to escape through an exit so he could get to the Spring Court. Yes. And Amarantha's like, Reese and find out why. Mm-hmm. And Reese is basically like, uh, he just wanted to get away. He had no accomplices. Just him. Pretty chill, but he broke the rules. And then Reese breaks his mind. Yeah. And Amarantha is not happy with this because she obviously wanted to drag out the torture for a bit longer. And Reese is like, eh, whatever. And Reese is like, apologies, my queen. And he goes to leave the room. And as he's leaving the room, a few of the Fae are like, whore, as he passes. Yeah. I do feel a little bit bad for him. I do too, because he actually did end the torture early. He gave the Summer Court Fae the best option that he could. True. I don't know. I think Reese has done a lot of bad things Absolutely. in this book that are unforgivable. Yes. But no matter what, he still has feelings. And it sounds so cheesy to say that. But if even if I had done lots of horrid things, if I walked past and people were whispering whore, mm-hmm. I would be just so... I'd feel incredibly degraded. Yeah. But I feel like at this point when you see other people calling him that, you want to find out a bit more about him or what's made him this way. True. And also just the fact that Rhysand is High Lord of the Night Court. Yeah. The fact that all of these other fae, who are obviously lower in power than him... Exactly. ...are calling him whore. He must have done some stuff to get himself there. He did some really bad things. Mm-hmm. So the second task is set in a really weird room situation, and you see that Lucian is actually chained in the centre of the floor, and Feyre basically has to select the correct lever because... This kind of grating thing is hanging above him and it's coming down at an increasing pace to squish Lucian. And so if she doesn't choose the right lever to stop the movement, then Lucian's obviously going to die. But Feyre can't read, so she doesn't know which one is the one that she's meant to choose. Yes, she's getting super stressed. And Lucian's like screaming and he's just like, pull one Feyre, literally choose anything, just do it. Yeah. And Feyre's, like, sweating and panicking. And she reaches out to the second lever and she goes to pull it. She feels a really harsh pain in her hand. Yeah. And she tries again and it's there again. So she pulls back. And she's really confused by this. So she goes to reach towards the third lever and her hand really hurts again. So she looks up and she sees Rhysand. And I think by now she's like, something's not lining up. Yeah. What has he got to do with this? But he's got a blank face, so we don't know for certain. Yeah. Lucian is still screaming. She reaches out to the first one and feels no pain. So she pulls the lever and the grating stops. Yes. And Lucian, I'm pretty sure he literally kisses the ground and is 
muttering prayers. I know. Thank goodness Lucian's fine. I would have cried. I would have been Me so too. upset if Lucian died. I know. Lucian is having a tough week. First he almost dies from when Pharaoh was just there randomly, and then now he's just being squashed. Well, almost, but he's <laughs> Poor Lucian. Yes. He's honestly one of my favourite characters in the whole text. I feel like he really carried the storyline. He was great. He was the wingman. I know a lot of people think he's quite bland as a character, but I really enjoyed him. I think the first book especially is peak Lucian. Yes. I mean, it reminds me of that TikTok that's like, like, she walked so Peppa could run. <laughs> like, Lucian really just carried everything at the start. He did. Yeah. And Feyre is super overwhelmed after this task. And basically, Reese speaks to Feyre in her mind. Mm -hmm. And he's like, don't let Amarantha see you cry. Don't give her the satisfaction. Get up. Leave. Don't look at Tamlin. Just go. Mm -hmm. So she follows his instructions. And she gets all the way back to her cell. And she just cries. Yeah. So before the final task, we have a bit of a montage of a few nights where there's a party going on every single night and Feyre is still being escorted by Reese, and she's drinking and dressing up in scandalous clothing and then forgetting about it the next day and being super hungover. Yes. However, one night, Amarantha is a little distracted and Tamlin comes and stands next to Feyre and their hands brush. And I think she's just so grateful in this moment because he's been so emotionalist throughout the whole thing. Yes. It gives her a little bit more hope because by now she's really losing hope. She is. She knows she knows she's not going to make it out alive. Exactly. And basically Tam leads her into another little sneaky room and just goes for it. Yeah, they have a very saucy kissing moment. Oh, full on make out. That grinding, humping, groping. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> a whole lot of that. A bit messy, I think, because they were both like, quick, 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 like that. Yes. I do think, though, this is the point where I was like, oh, Tamlin. Yeah. And. Blinded by lust. Yes. This is his one chance that he could have got Feyre out. Yes. Instead, he uses it to get some action. Get a quickie. Yeah. Yep. Not ideal, Tamlin. No. But during this saucy makeout, who walks in? Reese. He does. And he's like, ah, I see. And then he somehow makes the paint that's been smudged just go back to normal. And then he kisses Feyre. Feyre mm -hmm. is getting a lot of action tonight. She is. It's intense. I think it's just really harsh and just not pleasant at all. No, Reese was a sloppy kisser. And basically, Amarantha shows up and sees. Reese and Feyre kissing. And Tamlin just standing there. And she's like, this is not <laughs> what I had in mind. No. My boy is going for the human girl. Rude. First Tamlin, and then Reese. What's so good about this girl? Her dainty hands. <laughs> Anyways. And then later that night, Reese shows up in Feyre's cell, and she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh my goodness, I just want a moment of peace. And I think he sits on the floor next to her, and they kind of have a nice moment. They do. Which is not what we were expecting from Reese, the High Lord of the Night Court. Exactly, for him to just sit and chill in a cell. Yes, and he basically just says, oh, everything's a mess, and he just... He lets it out a little bit. Yeah, I think it's nice when we find out that he also knows that this is not right. Like, yes. he's doing the best that he can to kind of survive. And... He's just trying to hold it together. Exactly. 
And basically we find out that Reese's father killed Tamlin's father and his brothers. Yeah. So that does explain for a little bit the hate between Tamlin and Reesand. Yes, and why Tamlin got so tense every time he thought of Reesand, basically. I would too. Me too, because Reesand murdered his family. Yes. So, the next day. Yes. It is the third task. The final task. It is the day. Basically... Amarantha brings out three people and she says, all you have to do is stab these three people in the heart. And these three people are innocent. Completely innocent. Yes. So they all have their heads covered mm-hmm. and one by one, they Amarantha takes off the mask Yes. and Feyre must stab it. The first one like screams and cries Yeah. and she's like, oh, I just got to do this. So she does it. It's a very sad sequence, I find. It is. Um, the second one... Is another fae and she's begging and pleading and then she starts praying. It's sad. It There's is really very not other sad. any other word to describe it. Yeah. And then the third one has the bag taken off his head. It's Tamlin. It is. And Feyre is like, what kind of sick joke is yeah, this? Feyre is like, this defeats the purpose, bro. What are you doing? But Feyre is smarter than we thought she was. She is more observant than we originally thought. She flashes back to when Alice was like keep your ears open. And she recalls a conversation that she overheard with the Atoll saying to Tamlin, though you have a heart of stone, you certainly keep a host of fear inside it. And Feyre's like, surely it can't be. Surely that's not literal. And then she also thinks, surely Amarantha, if she loves Tamlin, she's not just going to put him at risk. Mm-hmm. So Feyre makes eye contact with Tamlin. She says, I love you. And she stabs him in the heart. The most romantic act ever. Boy. Heavy. And she has a thud. Um, turns out, because of the curse, Tamlin literally had a heart made of stone. Yes, so it could not be properly broken or stabbed by a little knife. Yes. And everyone is cheering because Feyre has completed all the tasks, which is what Amarantha told her that she needed to do. And now everyone's meant to be free. But Amarantha says, Oh, Yes, I did say I would free them, but I didn't specify when. Mm. And people get mad. Very mad. And Amarantha decides to exert some more of her power and she starts to break Feyre's bones. Yes. Because at this point, a lot more people are backing Feyre up. Yes. So she wants to take her down a peg. And Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And Feyre hears someone scream her name. And we get this line where it says... Rhysand yelled my name. Yelled it as though he cared. That's a turn of events. That is. Why does Rhysand care about (laughs) Feyre? He's like, no, my main squeeze. (laughs) Oh, dear. Way to make light of a really sad moment. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Reese is not happy. No. He tries to kill Amarantha. He picks up the knife that Feyre had to stab the Fae, and he lunges towards Amarantha. Yes. She's really not happy with that. No, but Reese was not successful. And so during this commotion, Farah has a bit of a chance to realize... She has an epiphany. She does. She has an epiphany and she realizes that the answer to the riddle is the word love. So cheesy. It is. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something relating to love, but 
I just did not see it coming. I don't know how I didn't. I think it's because it was in plain sight that you just didn't even think of it. Probably. Like, we expected it to be like, wow! I knew it had to be a concept and not something physical. Yes. I just wasn't sure exactly what. Exactly. And since Feyre answered the riddle, the terms of Amarantha's bargain was that as soon as she answers it, everyone goes free. So they have to. Mm-hmm. But Amarantha is not done yet. No. She breaks Feyre's spine. She does. And Feyre dies. She does die. Very unfortunate. So sad. But I don't think she's fully dead dead. No. She's only a little bit dead. She's dying. So we get this really weird moment where she's seeing the event occur through someone else's eyes. And Lucian is a little bit teary. Hamlin is furious. He is. And so he goes towards Amarantha, like pounces towards her and rips out her throat. Yes, because... I mean, it's important to note that since the curse is broken, all the High Lords have their full powers back. Exactly. So he can go into beast mode if he really wants to. And basically, after that, Tamlin just holds Feyre and sobs. And it's just... Breaks my heart a little bit. Because he obviously really loves her. He does. He does love her. And then all of the High Lords come together. And Resand says, as a token of our appreciation for freeing us, we're going to band together. Yes. Basically, they bring Feyre back to life. They do, because their powers are all back now, so they can do that. Yes. And the first thing Feyre notices when she comes alive again is Tamlin's mask is off. It is. Tamlin's and Lucian's masks are all off. It's great. So Feyre definitely broke the curse. Yes. So she goes to sleep, just gets some rests after a huge day, And in the middle of the night, she gets kind of awoken by this feeling of something tugging in her middle, like a thread deep inside her or something. Yes. And she follows it outside. Mm -hmm. And there she sees Reese. Yes. And he basically goes, just wanted to say goodbye. And she notices he has wings. He does have wings. Big bat-like wings. Yes. Dark. Like black. Leathery. Yeah. Kind of (laughs) sexy. Interesting. Mm, Very interesting. And Feyre basically asks him, why did you save me all those times? And Rhysand basically says the reason he did not abandon her is because he didn't want her to fight alone or die alone. Yeah. So you can get a sense that he's afraid of loneliness. But also this draws really strong parallels to when Feyre didn't want the fate at the beginning who had the wings torn off. She didn't want him to die alone. Exactly. They've just got this knowing to be alone thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice. It is. But then all of a sudden, his eyes widen and he stumbles backwards. And he's, like, shocked. And then he just disappears. (laughs) Pharaoh's like, do I have a zit on my face? What's going (laughs) on? Am I really that ugly? Yeah. Is my nose still broken? And basically, she just heads back to Tamlin, and Tamlin takes her back to the Spring Court. And that is the end of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas. It is! Yay! Wow. So that was it. That was. What were your overall thoughts on the book? The first time I read it, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I did now. Interesting. Yes, I did. I thought it was a good read, but now that I've read the whole series, 
a few times through, I love it a lot more than yes. I did previously. Yes, and even going back and reviewing all the events that have happened and all the things that these characters said after finishing the entire series, it puts so many things into perspective, and it actually makes me appreciate some characters more. It does, definitely. And I think there's a lot of foreshadowing in this book, which obviously we'll discuss in later episodes. Yes. But... I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I really like the way that Sarah J Maas writes. Yes, and I think it would be a good standalone either way. Oh yeah. When I first read it, it was the only book out. The second book came out a year after I read it. Wow. Yeah, it was a long wait. I'll tell you that. I know, I'm glad I didn't have to wait for these three to come out. So did you have a favourite scene in the book? I can't really pinpoint a favourite scene. I think the little moments is what I treasure the most, when little bits of character development really come through. And just the tension, I really like the tension. So, yeah, what about you? I don't think I have a favourite moment in general, but in a broader picture, I really enjoyed the world that Sarah J Maas built. I thought Me it was too. just so well planned out. And she's included a map at the start of the book, and I just thought, I just really enjoyed the world building of it. Yes, me too. And she writes very well. Everything is in vivid detail. You want some source, she gives you that source. But if you want a beautiful scenery described to you, she does that too. She does. She can do everything. Yes. So I think a really important thing to note about this book is the lack of diversity that Sarah J Maas includes. Yes, absolutely. I do really enjoy her writing, but I think it's a pretty well-known issue that she definitely could have included a larger variety of different groups, I guess. Yes. She really just follows the straight, white character formatting. Absolutely. I think sexuality-wise, things could have been a bit more diverse. I mean, we didn't meet heaps of characters this time. It was basically just Tamlin, Lucian, and Feyre, but hopefully in the next few we can see some more diversity in both race and sexuality. That being said, we obviously really loved this series, so there's no way that we're shaming anyone for enjoying it. No, you should never shame someone for what they enjoy. And a lot of people read Sarah J Maas. They do, and I think... A lot of people who enjoy and read Sarah J Maas, they're aware of these issues of lacking with diversity. Yes. They would love more, but, you know, it's written so well and the world is built so beautifully and we just hope that in the future, when more books come out, that there can be more diversity. And I'm sure that Sarah J Maas is aware of this by now and she will do her best in order to cater for a wider variety of demographics. I hope so. I really hope so. So now that we've finished this, do you want to share a bit about why you chose your tea? Okay, sure thing. So I was drinking orange and cinnamon tea because so far my favourite character is Lucian mm -hmm. by a long shot. Wow. He reminds me a lot of like fall vibes. Yes. So I thought orange and cinnamon might be a really good way to encapsulate him as a character. Yeah, because he has bright hair and he's also a little spicy. <laughs> a little bit spicy. A little bit. So, why did you choose raspberry and strawberry tea? I mean, because they're at the spring court and strawberries are in season in spring, I think. And it's nice and fruity, so that was what I was trying to aim for. Good logic, good reasoning. Thank you. <laughs> so on that note, I think it's about time that we wrap up our episode on A Court of Thorns and Roses. 
We hope you come back next week when we will be continuing the series discussing both part one and part two of A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J Maas. It only goes up from here. It'll be good. It will be amazing. I'm excited. Me too. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Yes. See you next week. Bye. Bye.